0: Or listening to discography discussion episode 185 the acacia strain hosted by dan
1: terry um so for them it was just like hey wouldn't it be really cool if we just just showed off everything that we're about within the first you know <laughs> 10 seconds of this song
0: john Beatty of brutally speaking dude that song though is so fucking good and Joseph Wren. I'm seriously considering the fact that this guy at some point could not get hair product, melted gummy bears, and said, wow, that works, that works great. Let's let's just do that all the time. Presented by DiscussMetal.com. And if you have lucid dreams after watching David Lynch movies, then you are ready for this episode of Discography Discussion. I am Joe, that is Dan. John Beatty is here. And we're talking about the Acacia Strain because who doesn't want this much heavy in their life every single day for 10 records and hopefully continuing? Well, hopefully it's not every single day uh, because I feel like you're going to have a bad time.
1: And we're going to talk about maybe somebody that did. I'm kidding. That's horribly, horribly inappropriate. But, um, you know, I, I have to say I listened to the Acacia Strain, well, a week ago i listened to all their albums while i was at work and then the following the following three days i listened to the albums all broke up and then today i was like well i'll give one more run through and it's a very unique experience at the end of a work day after you've listened to the acacia strain's entire discography in a matter of eight hours your entire outlook on life has changed. Your relationships to other people, they're gone. No, 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 not just the relationships, but actually the people. Um, it, 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 it's its a terrifying, very empowering experience. And I really don't know how I can how, how I can really kind of back off of that. Because I'm, I'm still kind of hyped up, and I'm upset, and I'm angry, and I, I want to kill someone. But uh, I haven't yet. And I'm hoping, hoping, I'm hoping this can of beans, (laughs) Uh, but I'm, but I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that with enough time and maybe some like not music like this, uh, I I might be able to get past it, but, uh, we, we've got to, we've got to talk about it one last time, rip this scab wide open and let the blood gush into the open mouth of your victim. One less
2: mouth, one less complaint. Mm. It's the other way around, but still. Hey, the sentiment is real. (laughs) <laughs> this this I was listening. I had a real motherfucker of a day at work, and let me just tell you that I don't think this helped. <laughs> I want every time someone brought me a new belt, and like we were like Fridays are supposed to be an easy day. It was not. My coworker who was working in freight got dumped on too, and like he was supposed to leave a half hour early. So every time a belt came by after like we were told like oh one o'clock, like you guys will be done like getting all this shit. like an hour before we're supposed to close, and, like, we don't send things out on truck shipments that late, and you're just like, I just want to kill you. I think at that point I was on death is the only mortal, so I was, like, really just like, I just want to fucking skin you alive and just, you know, watch you bleed out. Like, I feel like that's what I need to do right now.
0: So are you saying that listening to the Acacia Strain corrupted you internally, but Cannibal Corpse did
2: not? Um, I'm definitely going to say that listening to spoiler alerts um, from about Wormwood to uh, Grey Bloom definitely put me in a really shitty mood. I don't know if Dan can say the same thing. Since we both listened to the entire discography today, <laughs> but I will say, like those those handful of records, really started having an effect on my day. And I don't know if it's because it's hot, and I don't I don't work in air conditioning. I'm lifting 140 pound conveyor belts uh, and putting them on in boxes and lifting them and shit like that. I don't know if it's you know the byproduct of a long week mixed with the soundtrack of literally feeling like I'm in hell and wanting to kill everybody uh, to satiate my carnal desires, but. Um, I definitely think there's only so much Acacia Strain someone should listen to uh, before you get to the newer stuff where there's a little bit of brevity and and experimental uh, sounds going on that kind of breaks it up personally. That's my final thought. It was great having you guys. Uh, Thanks for having me on.
0: Well, before Screwtape writes his nephew a new letter, I'm going to take this time to say thank you to everyone for listening to the podcast. Thank you for listening and for subscribing. If you're not a subscriber, then you can find everything discography discussion at DiscussMetal.com. We're on Spotify apple and google podcasts TuneIn radio stitcher so if you have an amazon echo or a google home you have no excuse ask it to play the latest episode of the discography discussion podcast and it will we're also on facebook and on twitter at discuss metal be sure to like favorite and subscribe it really helps us out it lets us know you're listening and now dan is going to tell us all about five star reviews well, on a normal day, on any other
1: episode, I would tell you that we do, in fact, love five-star reviews here on Discography Discussion, but I do feel like, considering the type of day I've had and the listening that I've had to subject myself through for the past week, I need you guys to do something that will restore my faith in humanity. This is this couldn't be more important. Uh, leave us a five-star review or leave us a one-star review. Leave us whatever kind of review you think that we deserve. But, uh, I really appreciate you guys that have done it. And I love that you guys are sharing the episodes online. You're letting the world know that this podcast exists and that we are out there talking about some of the most messed up bands. It really, really that, that exist. And um, you know, again, I, I need you guys to do that stuff because right now my my, my love for humanity is at an all time low, and, and I need I need some sort of some sort of pick me up. I need you guys to convince to convince me that that Vincent is wrong. <laughs> is that fair?
2: I'm just glad you actually called him not Vince because that would piss him off even more.
1: No, I mean it's always in in my brain it's always Vincent from the Acacia strain.
0: Absolutely, it's how it should be that's how it is hey dan do you know what humanity we haven't lost faith in who's that our beloved patrons oh you know what actually i do know who they are you you want me to to say who they are you should definitely shout them out right now
1: all righty well i'm going to shout you all out and thank you so much you guys are definitely not on my list you're on this list but you're not on on the other list and that would include alexander Brandon, Miranda, Brian Dean, David Brown, Isaiah Eldridge, Jeffrey De Los Santos, The Actual Mac, Jeremy Prince, Josh Moser, Kiki Kuti, Do You Love Me? I do love you. Ken Zappla, Lance Allegood, The King of Metal patrick asplund samuel woodward and tantalized fungians thank you guys so much for helping me restore my faith in humanity once a month every month you guys are there to let us know that we do not have to take the show off the air but we can
0: in fact continue thanks to your financial support hey john yeah what's
2: going on on brutally speaking this week uh, it'll, as of when we're recording this, uh, you'll have already heard the Theo Vanderloo episode, which we've been sitting on for like five months, uh, cause none of the festivals and touring have happened. So there's that. So you can already have heard that, uh, as of when this is dropping, uh, we are going to be dropping our episode with Josh Meshiner. And we should be dropping the Doc Coil live episode. I think is the one going, or it might be Ross from Enjoy the Ride Records, where Dan and I talked a whole lot about vinyl. So just pop over there and see what's going on. Google's the thing. Use it.
0: BruceSpeakepod.com. Yeah. There was a tweet from Reduce Right Dave asking, "What's a good podcast about metal?" Adam Cox replied, The Canadian Geeks, Chatting Metal Podcast, Decibel Geek, and something called Discuss Metal, featuring a guy named Discuss Metal Dan talking to people about metal all the time. I mean, sometimes you talk about metal.
1: Seems like lately all we talk about is video games. The last one that I did, uh, me and the dude
0: just talked about Final Fantasy for like half the (laughs) runtime." In regards to episode 24 of the Discuss Metal podcast, Brandon Kellum said, you didn't ask for it, but here it is. Discuss Metal did the most comprehensive story of my life. From my time as a professional wrestler, years of skateboarding, my first new metal band, and what's next for Amstam. I'm always interested in what's next for American standards.
2: I listened to that episode, and all I learned is that apparently Brandon Kellum is as good a singer as he is a guitar player, and that's why no one wanted him as either. Oh, wow. That's rough. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> hey, man, he wants to rip on me for not being able to get in the Eat show, so uh, I figured this is just a, a podcast beef that's just going to keep going. Well, there we go. Well, over on
1: YouTube, in reference to episode 181, Dark Tranquility, Satanic Puppy Overlord says, Dark Tranquility has done it all. They're in my top five favorite bands. They've done straight up thrashy mellow death, experimental weird early mellow death, synth laden mellow death, prog mellow death. Oh, did I mention mellow death? No, I don't think you did. Uh, and I totally understand when you guys say the early records are kind of blackened sounding. One of the f- big influences of Gothenburg scene was dissection. Additionally, the weird mythological lyrics sync up with black metal. I agree with that, and I'm glad somebody else agrees with me, too, because I kind of just expected... I expected the answer to just be like, Poser, early metal death's got nothing to do with black metal. And I'm like, I don't know, man. Raspy vocals and keyboards and and stuff. I, I don't know. I'm just, I'm flying by the seat of my pants here. I just say whatever genre name pops into my head. I can't help it. So, Dan, tell me about the Acacia Strain. Well, I'm glad you asked me that, Joe. The Acacia Strain is an American metalcore band, not a deathcore band. Don't you, don't you ever call them deathcore. Uh, and they are from Massachusetts and, um, you know, they, they put out a lot of albums, 10 of them to be exact. And they are, they are certainly aggressive. Uh, (laughs) Let's put it that way. Uh, The Acacia Strain is exactly the kind of band that your parents assume that all heavy metal bands are like. Super loud, check. Uh, Heavily distorted guitars, check. Three guitarists, check, Uh, or at least at one time. And, uh, you know, a vocalist that primarily sings about murder and death. Oh, and hate, lots of hate. Not like racial hate, but just like, just hate, you know? And um, it's really, uh, I guess if you had to describe the Acacia Strain in a single word, I would say nihilistic would probably be the word to best describe this band. And extremely Um, aggressive about it. So aggressive. One one of the angriest vocalists in metal, uh, on or off the mic and i think that is what is so endearing about this band is that you know joe you you posed the question earlier you know th- this band ruined your faith in humanity but cannibal corpse didn't part of it is because cannibal corpse lyrics are very much like eh, okay so we um okay 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 so i took a knife and uh, i shoved it you know right in her stomach and i ripped out her intestines and i rubbed them all rubbed them all over my face That's so cool, right? You guys think that's funny? It's cool, right? (laughs) Wink, wink, wink. This is so funny. It's like a horror movie. Uh, The Acacia Strain's not like that. Uh, it's it's pretty serious enough, except I don't think that Vincent is actually out killing people. I think he thinks about it a lot, and, um, I think that he also tells a lot of stories from murderers' point of view. So it's not necessarily, you know, some sort of incriminating self-confession, uh, but, you know, I think, uh, I think his own points of view on the world are peppered into his apparent fascination with true crime and uh, serial killers and, um, Mass murderers. Uh, there's going to be so much death in this episode, and and I think I think that's healthy. I think I think this really really hammers home the nihilistic viewpoint that has stayed pretty much consistent throughout their career. Um, hopeful is not a feeling that I get when I listen to the Acacia Strain. Um, I'm gonna put on some relaxing music is not what I think when I'm listening to the Acacia Strain. Um, it's more like you know, it, it's kind of like this is a good time to listen to the Acacia Strain. Okay. You have been working all week, 80 hours a week, and you come home from work only to find out that your electricity has been disconnected. That's a good time to listen to the Acacia Strain, obviously on headphones and your rapidly depleting cell phone battery.
0: Unless you're me, in which case you have several battery packs charged at the ready all electronic devices can be ran off of usb it's 2020 people well then you can certainly
1: listen to the acacia strain at that point and um you know just hopefully you know when the guy comes to hook your stuff back up maybe a day later maybe a week later maybe three paychecks later just hopefully you're not there because you're going to be lurking in the dark listening to nothing but the acacia strain and i can't guarantee what may or may not happen i'm joking (laughs) of course um obviously this is a very therapeutic and um very musically intense and dare i even say experimental band at times especially looking at their most recent output being probably the most experimental that they've ever been john what is your history with the acacia strain
2: um so i well it was kind of funny because going back and listening to the uh discography today Uh, For some reason, I thought I was, like, really far behind on when the Acacia Strain kind of came into prominence. And I realized I was not too far behind when the band started kind of coming into, you know, their own um, local venue here in town, which actually is getting ready to come back, apparently, question marks. Um, The owner used to sound check to Car Bomb. And so I remember being like, what the fuck is this? Because if you're at a venue and hear it over like the PA, especially when they're trying to like mix and level everything, it just sounds huge. And they're like, oh, is this band the Acacia Strain? So right out the gate, like I pretty much have been following the Acacia Strain since 3750. Um, didn't know much about the first record, which we'll get into here pretty quickly. Um, but yeah, I've been pretty much following this band pretty much from the get. And it's. Uh, it's kind of crazy because, you know, I, I think, you know, you and I have kind of talked about how maybe the Casey strain could almost be identified as like the ACDC of of this genre of music. Like, you know what you're going to get. They up until recently didn't really deviate much from their sound. It was consistent. It was good and it was pissed off as fuck and just kind of made you feel like, you know, like at your worst, someone apparently out there has more fucked up feelings than you do.
1: Evidently. Evidently, yeah, and uh, and we're going to get into a, a very, very, very interesting example of that uh later on in this chat whenever we're talking about worms being in some woods uh-huh. uh, but i definitely think that this band is very important and i have to disagree with you a little bit john i i do notice quite a bit of variation especially when you go from like their first album even all the way up to you know um they they took a couple of records to craft their sound and, and we're gonna get
0: into that
2: yes well i we just get into it
0: let's do it 2002 and life is very long. <laughs> nice positive
1: uh, album title to start things off, but I mean, I guess it depends on what kind of life you've lived and how long you've lived. Uh, but man, uh, this is this is actually probably one of my favorite kind of metalcore records because this is this is metalcore before metalcore, like before it's metalcore incorporated, right? Um, so there's a lot of there's a lot of different elements thrown in here. You've got obviously your kind of convergy hardcore in there, but then on the same on the same token, you've also got like death metal influences. It's like a really it's a, it's a really really good blend of death metal and hardcore. Not really, even any grind, but this is this is before they were just like breakdown, breakdown, ultra guttural acacia strain. You know, th- this is uh, th- this is where they're still kind of more like I, I don't want to say digestible. It's probably the least heavy acacia strain record, and when you listen to how heavy it actually is, you're like, oh wow, so this is the least heavy, huh? Uh, it's kind of like uh, it's kind of like me when I go to Taco Bell and I tried mild sauce for the first time, and I actually thought it was like super spicy and then you get up to like wormwood and it's like this is the this is the diablo sauce and like so yeah if i can't handle the mild sauce i can't handle the diablo sauce uh and that's kind of that's kind of what this first record is is it's kind of it's kind of the more mild acacia strain um lyrics are a little bit more abstract on this record um i mean he doesn't mess around you know i mean very first song cable ready techno slud if i ever had a mind on if i ever had a mind of my own i'd cut myself a new mouth and bleed you a smile from ear to ear ear to ear a smile from ear to ear uh, and so, I mean, it, it definitely starts things off right. But this is, the, these lyrics on this album aren't even close to what we we're going to get. With all of that kind of out of the way, though, this record is still kind of a... If it was the fifth album in their career, I would say, oh, it's experimental. Listen to all these different elements. Uh, but it's not really experimental. It's more of we've got three guitarists and they all need something to do so you get a little bit of that like multi-textured uh
0: stuff knowing i'm going to have to beat myself is this an anal situation where the band seems to be putting on this nihilistic persona but then people that know the lead singer outside of the band say that he's spastic and has mood swings and they don't know if it's a performance or if he's just absolutely out of his goddamn mind that's hard because I don't think that musically this is that different from... I don't think this is that
1: different than some of the other metalcore bands that were coming out at the time. Other than the fact that the anger is much more um, much more pronounced than some of those other bands. You know, there are some guys that they, they scream and they growl and they do their death metal thing because it's a style and because it's something that they heard somewhere else and are trying to emulate but i think in the case of vincent the you you believe it you believe the anger whether it's anger for the specific things that he's talking about or if it's anger for like something something maybe something different or just angry in general i think it's that one um, but like I believe it on a level that I don't believe it from other bands at the time
2: so it's funny uh, I was hanging out with, having some drinks with my wife before doing this and you know she's a big emir uh, fan and I've always been a big Acacia Strain fan, and something you know, as we go to the shows, and you know, I'm I'm a fan of both bands, but I'm I think I'm more of an Acacia Strain fan. And I remember being like, why why don't you dig go into Acacia Strain shows? That, you know, Amir and Acacia Strain are kind of the same. And she goes, Amir is fun; they don't mean it. Acacia Strain, they really mean that. And it wasn't until she said that that I was like, yeah, I I could
1: see that. I think there's a lot of really cool, like, musical passages on this record that, like, you don't really get out of them for a long time. No. Um, and obviously, obviously, like, Sloss Loves Chunk. That's that's Great one song. of the... It really, really is. And uh, there's actually a little bit of melody, and there, there's weird kind of, like, harmonic tinges to some of the breakdowns and things. Um, but it's it's so different than what I'm used to hearing, I guess. And maybe it wasn't that different for 2002, 2003. But like, I believe that like this was a very, very sincere and original effort. Because I think I think one thing that people tend to ignore about the Acacia Strain is, I mean, this is early, early, early 2000s. This is this is before. I think I think sometimes this band gets blamed for being uh you know ripping off of a of of an existing style but i really like looking at the actual history of the band i don't think that that's the case i think they get lumped in with a lot of bands that started after they did and after that they after they were doing this and that's one thing that i kind of had to tell myself when i was going into this band was that like you know i'm going to hear a lot of stuff that i've heard before from other bands musically but I also have to take into consideration the time period and realize that this was actually super original for that year. And that it this sounds
0: this sounds more modern than I think it's really given credit for. And the only aspects that I hear that remind me of other bands remind me of things that bands did in the early to mid-90s with death metal screaming thrash, you know, like your Cannibal Corpse the guitars will play off of each other and they'll put together a passage but then you have hardcore dissonance which I've never heard in this combination and I definitely don't think you've heard it in 2002
2: no I think what's interesting about this record, and like I sent Dan uh, a message earlier today when I was listening to it, because I wasn't sure if we're going to do this. Because to some people, this isn't the Acacia Strain. Um, you know, it is kind of unto itself uh, in some aspects. But I was like, dude, I'm loving these panic cord like hair whips. Like I, this this panic cord like kind of breakdown. I was like, I just imagine like some gnarly like 80s hair dude just do like doing gnarly hair whips during it. And it definitely put a vibe in my head and I was like, I could totally see like, so my wife sometimes and I will go see shows and we'll see bands and you're like, you see a band and they're like, not, they're not big. They're not famous. They don't really have a name behind them. So, you know, they, they don't have money for like nice clothes or things like that. So like, they're just kind of wearing whatever. And they look kind of like a hodgepodge band. And a lot of times my wife's like, well, yeah, that's that's what bands who aren't, you know, like the headliner have been around for five, 10 years. Like, that's what they look like. They look like a band that is just who they are. And I was like, yeah, listening to this, it reminded me kind of of that era where you go see bands and they don't look like how you think they would. Like, I think it. I think a site like Return to the Pit. When I listen to this, this sounds like Return to the Pit looks at times, like where you see Vincent wearing baggy jeans. He's got hair, and like everyone's kind of wearing like those giant belt buckles from the early two thousands that were like all the fucking rage. Probably had a probably had a bottle opener even in it, um, but it was just one of those things where I was like, "There's a lot of cool shit on this." And, and Dan already touched uh, on Sloth Lo- Love's Chunk. Sloth Love's Chunk, sorry. Um, It was really interesting to to remember that the band had a lot of melody uh, back in the day, and I definitely think you'll see it in a different iteration across the rest of their discography but not so pronounced like this. The other thing that really stood out to me too was just the straight-up actual solos. Um, I think something we've talked about previously in some of the other discographies we've talked about is at this time, solos weren't really a thing. Uh, So the fact that there's quite a bit of soloing going on 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 these records, and this one especially in 2002, is kind of interesting as well. Um, I don't know if anyone else kind of really picked up on that or thought about that, but like it was kind of interesting thinking back to that time period and being like, well, I guess... uh, it's a, it's a
1: thing. Well, now you say that there's a lot of fans that don't consider this to be the Acacia Strain. What? Why Why would that be?
2: Because this doesn't, the tone of the guitars, even with there being three, it doesn't set sa- like, I mean, as soon as we get into 3750, there's a drastic shift in tone on guitars. Uh, and then, you know, even kind of going a bit forward to going to the Dead Walk, The guitar tones are just so drastically different. Like I think I said to Dan, this reminds me. Like I said, reminds me of being in my late teens and thinking about some of those, like from uh, from Autumn to Ashes records, the old, you know, bleeding through some of the uh, 18 visions and so forth, where everything was really raw sounding. So it wasn't down tuned the way it became and the way this genre became. And to me it's 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 really interesting to go back and listen to this and kind of hear the beginnings of this band And, you know, something for me, too, that's that's kind of a little bit more nostalgic is I was really big on Devil's Head's Devil's Head Records. Um, This was where Aftershock came from. Uh, The owner of the label, Toby Duckowitz, Adam D's brother, uh, who was the singer of Aftershock, you know, did the artwork for this. He owned the label. Um, I believe he also put out the uh, first. There's so many records on Devil's Head, but like they were a short lived record. But like this sounds kind of like that era of Devil's Head and that era of. of of metalcore, like Dan said, don't call it deathcore, but it just, it it was so interesting to see how they were pushing a lot of different genres. Like, you would be in what was becoming metalcore to then very technical, I don't want to say death metal, but, like... They encompassed a lot of different things that at that time, like Dan said, in 2002, you weren't hearing a band just incorporating all these things. And maybe at times it wasn't the most well executed, but it was interesting. And I think it really sets up for what we're about to get moving forward.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think that I think that this record was a great starting point. I mean, to me it it sounds like the Acacia strain. It just sounds like the early version. You know, it sounds like they're still trying to figure out where they want to be in metal and uh but well, they definitely figured it out pretty quick. 2004 37.50. $37.50. $37. 50. $2, the, sir. The the exact the exact balance of my bank account. <laughs> um, you know, I think that this is obviously heavier. Like the goal for this is heavier. Um the the breakdowns hit harder. The vocals are more um somehow more acidic than they were before. Uh angrier than they were before. And I don't know how that's possible considering I mean I know how it's possible because I've heard the record, but like I guess what I guess what I'm getting at here is that this record is such an expansion on the sound, and we were talking about earlier about how the last record, you know, sounds like a lot of other bands that we've heard, but we were not hearing those bands back in 2004. And this comes across as very modern. This is a record that I feel like could have come out yesterday and would have had the same kind of, kind of the same level of impact. Um, in the sense that this was pretty much heavier than everybody in Metalcore, at least. Um, There really wasn't a whole lot of, like, Deathcore, you know, stuff going around. I don't think that the job for a cowboy stuff had started yet, you know, at this point. And so right now as far as as far as like no gimmick, heavy hardcore metal the acacia strain was just killing it I mean this the the lyrics are the lyrics on this record definitely take a turn for um, more of like misanthropic I guess uh, a, a hatred for for humanity and um, and he's gonna tell you exactly why uh, as as we go in and this is where we start talking more about like um I don't know like like more like more like death and destruction you know i killed them all they're all dead every single one of them oh yeah well that's a sound clip but you know you get what i'm saying (laughs) it's actually it's actually a sound clip from uh star wars episode two attack of the clones it's uh it's anakin's i slaughtered them like animals he's talking about how he killed all the sand people but they actually slowed it way down and actually made it sound kind of cool and uh and and creepy but uh but it definitely it definitely sets a vibe and um you know with, with song title's like sun poison and skin cancer great song oh my god dude th- their album closers were so on point during this era of the band it was like let's just leave everybody um let's just leave everybody just feeling down and and with
0: no hope because you know I, I guess that's how Vincent feels this record sounds like every dissonant breakdown metalcore band that i have ever heard prior to 2015 but nobody was doing that in 2004 at least nobody that we've covered on this show or that dan has shown me while driving down the highway at a high rate of speed saying no dude check it out this song is like brutal so when you hear what everyone else is doing and it still doesn't sound exactly like the stereotype, there's something to this that no one else has. It sounds like the previous record just tightened up more. It sounds like the band had made a record and played shows and realized that they didn't need to have so many different layers and be so spastic. You could just Tighten up the songs Tighten up the overall experience And you end up with a 30 minute record That is from start to finish Intense and heavy And if this is the only one I have I love it The message is far Darker than any of those Bands that I described And I think that's what's unique about the Acacia Strain Especially in 2004 Not only are they doing it And they're about to get copied But they're really dark.
2: I'd actually been wondering for a very long time, and I've never Googled this. I've never looked into this until just now, so this is kind of interesting and I think actually speaks to a lot of the lyrical themes uh, that w- we're going to touch on. So I Googled what is 3750 mean, thinking maybe there's some kind of an astrological, some kind of a numerical significance to this number. And apparently it's something called an angel number. And apparently, uh, according to Google and a few other things, and I'll, I'll tell you what the other thing that apparently it represents uh, in a comical way but it says that the message relates to a field of relationships and money and says that a marriage of convenience will not justify your hopes and will end in a complete collapse. I feel like that really signifies a lot of the lyrical themes on this record and moving forward. So while I had no idea what 3750 meant, seeing that, I'm kind of like, yeah, absolutely. Now, apparently, because we live in the world of Urban Dictionary and so forth, a 3750 is also a marijuana and crack rolled into a joint. (laughs) so also probably would uh, smoke you later (laughs) yeah probably would also uh, get your hopes up and then we'll uh, end in a complete collapse as well so uh, it all works
1: so I would like to share with you guys and the world my favorite lyric uh, from this album and uh, you know Joe's probably gonna censor most of it out so you know I'm just gonna (laughs) throw it out there anyway this is from the song 3750 where he says pissing blood for a week feel it in your kidneys blow a load like a shotgun right through the back of your skull take that to the bank and cash it. Enjoy your new skin. I'll see you at the bottom of the barrel. At the bottom of the barrel. Oh, at the bottom of the barrel over and over and over again. And
2: man, that, like... Does this make you realize that the, the first glass Glassjaw record, which I don't like... Is pales in comparison to the misogynistic lyrics. A hundred percent, and this isn't even the worst of it because this Yo. is <laughs> this is
1: this is, for lack of a better word, kind of funny. Y- you know, uh, it's funny in the acacia strain vein of funny Uh, there is a very very because in addition to the hopelessness and the anger and the frustration and the anger and the the anger and also the anger um, there is a sick sort of humor that comes out of some of these lyrics and honestly for me that just makes it worse like that you know we, we we've reached the point of nihilism to where not only is it horrible and destructive and angry but it's also kind of funny um this is this this is ash you know in, in the cabin covered in blood with all the stuff in the house laughing at him and he's just standing there with no hand and a shotgun just laughing along with all of it and i think that that lyric really some really sums that up, and uh, from a musical perspective, I'm gonna try not to focus so much on the lyrics, but man, it's really um, hard for a lyric sensitive guy like me to not focus yeah. on that. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, musically, this is this is heavier than the first album. Um, everything hits harder. Everything's more in your face. There's not as much. There's not as much melody. But they, they still kind of have a little bit of that harmonic sheen to a lot of their riffs and they will, they will go into kind of more melodic sections, which I think really works for them. But for the next several albums, they're going to act like it doesn't work for them. <laughs> 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 like it all, uh, so uh, so yeah. Like this, this is a great record. I like that it comes in a small package. Uh, the only complaint I had for the previous record is that it, I do feel like it kind of overstayed its welcome. Um, it, it was a little long. Um, if you're a diehard fan, of course, you always want more. But I think in this case, um, I think that this was uh, like a, you know, like a shotgun blast, you know, right through the back of your skull, you know, Um, it just gets in and gets out and that's it.
2: I feel like the thing that's interesting about, you know, when life is very long and even into 3750 is for as much of the, the just sheer beating over the head brutality that's on these records... There's still that hint of, I don't know if brevity is the word I want to use, but just basically there's a sense of melody. There's a sense of maybe hope, for lack of a better term. And it's one of those that juxtaposed against the rest of these records on these first two, it's a really interesting juxtaposition of Sonics that... To a degree, they kind of play around with over the next handful of records in different ways, but they don't do it the same as they did on these first two. And I don't know if Dan would agree with that. I don't know if Joe would agree with that, but that's something as I literally listened to everything all in one shot today that like was something that really stood out on these first two records is the the glimpses of, of melody and hope that I kind of got against the very severe backdrop of just horrible shit
1: (laughs) musically musically yeah there there's little tinges of hope and and positive feelings and i think those are wholly unintentional i think those got snuck in do you okay 2006 the dead walk they do indeed uh oh man so, I, uh,
2: I would just love to say something you know Dan's already pointed out and something that I will probably be to death uh, as the Acacia Strain likes to do uh, <laughs> um, this record's got so many fucking great one liners or as I have come to start calling them great like merch opportunities where there's a fucking slogan on a piece of merch with a live shot on it and you're like hell yeah that basically the song that everyone shouts out to so you know like even like uh like 4 by 4 Why don't you strap a mattress to your back? (laughs) (laughs) Like it's so again very misogynistic lyrics but it's one of those that as a as a man as someone who's been in relationships or whatever sometimes you're like eh, you know that person's kind of slutty and yeah you like want to say like the most horrible thing you can about somebody and make them feel little and it's sad to say that we we do that or at least that i can say that i've done that but sometimes your words are the only weapons you have and i definitely think vincent's one of those that has the ability to cut someone down to size and make them feel very little. Having listened to the new song by The Wolves or Closing In,
0: I'm starting to wonder if they were listening to The Acacia Strain this week because I thought Alluring Deviant was the most negative thing I listened to today. Then I went back and listened to The Acacia Strain just to make sure I had all the records fresh in my mind for this discography now the acacia strain is much much more negative and if the songs weren't so negative on this record i agree with john there are so many t-shirt opportunities here i want to see the giant bearded man winking on the front of the shirt just giving me that look like yeah dude i am the band
1: yeah okay
0: so like
1: the lyrics are really bad on this one oh, yeah um like beyond <laughs> beyond what we'd had before uh Whoa. this is this is whole new this is a whole new level uh it was really, really, really hard for me to pick a favorite out of this because of all the one-liners.
2: Oh, we we'll Shut It probably got the best lyrics on it, personally.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, you're you're not wrong. Um, I decided to pick a uh, I decided to pick one that was a little bit uh, less beepy um <laughs> so i went with uh, as if set a fire good one just uh you know the rocking chair stopped because she fell off and broke her neck <laughs> now she lay there wishing for help or wishing to die sticky with blood and horse from all the constant screams for help i heard her but i didn't care one less mouth to feed one less complaint Ooh. i mean if that doesn't say it i don't know what 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 does <laughs>
2: You know something else that I think is pretty interesting about this, and, and we're we're gonna start to see it a little bit more as we move forward, is uh, is the fact that like on Predator Never Prey, uh, Phil the, from All That Remains is on this, sounding really brutal. Like at this point, I think maybe the Fall of Ideals would have been out, so like at that point, they were still a primarily. Primarily, uh, you know, metalcore band that dealt mostly, mostly with you know screaming and so forth, and didn't really have a whole lot of cleans. Um, So it was kind of cool the the use of other people's voices uh, on this record to kind of make a a lot of different sounds and textures to this, but. Yeah, kind of like Dan said, like, I mean, even the intro to this record and something that from this point forward, kind of moving forward that uh, and that was redundant. That's um, always great is every record has a fucking gnarly intro. And Sarah in the end, I think, is one of those where you're like, all right, cool. And then straight into Burnface and you're like, fuck, yeah, I'm all about this. I'm ready to like just fucking two step and beat people up and give someone next to me a bloody nose cuz they were fucking looking at me wrong and i don't give a shit yeah i mean we're back in it it's the fucking deathcore stereotype of the
0: breakdown before the beat down you have yeah. to set the pace for the show you are about to put on, even if that show is so fucking negative.
2: Well,
1: and that's the whole thing, though, is that like this wasn't even deathcore. No. The, this is this is another example of they're doing this kind of before everyone's doing this. Um, so for them, it was just like, hey, wouldn't it be really cool if we just just showed off everything that we're about within the first you know <laughs> ten seconds of this song? Um, and, And I love that. But like one thing I like about this band is it's very easy to listen. If you're not paying attention, if you're doing something while you're listening to these records, you are doing yourself a bit of a disservice because there is subtlety. There is technicality. There's a lot of weird variation um in in these breakdowns that i think is missing from bands that kind of copied that sound yeah um and i think that that's that's really important because again if you're not paying attention you're not gonna necessarily pick up on that you're just gonna be like wow yeah it was like super super heavy for like 40 minutes or so and and uh and i was stoked and i was in it and all that but like The reality is is that like nobody was really doing this before them and i think that's uh, i think this is exactly why they get miscategorized as deathcore so often is because they do or they did a lot of stuff that deathcore bands would go on to do like all the time but and this really isn't deathcore in the sense of like breakdown breakdown a little bit of tremolo picking some high-pitched screams mostly guttural And then, uh, you know, like maybe if you're you're like Winds of Plague or something, you're going to throw some like keyboards behind it or something like that. But like but for the most part, Acacia Strain keeps it real. And that's that's the thing that I that's the thing that I like about this record the most is it's kind of one of the most organic sounding records that they have in that it's still heavy on its own merits without a lot of that studio assistance that bands would get. You know, as the 2000s went on, absolutely. Like this is just created. This is this is just a pure sound created by guitars, bass, and drums, and the most pissed off dude that we could find.
2: I think something else that's kind of interesting too. Is this the most aggressive Adam D. produced record you've, we've ever heard? This is before he started
1: cleaning things up significantly. Well, <laughs> actually, it's not. I've heard super clean Adam D. records
2: before this, but... Uh, no, I'm not saying clean. I'm saying, is this the most pissed off aggressive record we've ever heard Adam D. be a part of?
1: It might be. It might be. I mean, other I mean, than that's, working
2: with Asley Daring and, you know, being with a killer, but still.
1: Yeah, that's, you know, that's true. Although that was more subtle, right? That that was... Uh, there was a notion between us
2: between before that happened.
1: Well, let's let's break it down here for a second. Okay? we going halftime? But, like basically you know the 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 thing that i hear people say all the time is you have a super brutal band and then adam d comes in there and he cleans it all up and he makes it sound really 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 cool and then that's whenever you find out that this band actually isn't heavy they just couldn't record properly before um <laughs> and so i think with the, w- in the case of a band like the acacia strain yeah this might be the most brutal i've heard or aggressive that i've heard and adam d produced Record and I think it does it does it nothing but favors. He captures he captures almost more of what the band was about. Um And I think I think this is like kind kind of like the prime time golden era for the Acacia Strain. Absolutely, as far as them just kicking on all cylinders and basically just being an unstoppable force in metal. And it's funny because this is this is around the time that I saw the band live for the first time. And uh, I, you know, I, I definitely dug the dug the music. Uh, I was not super impressed with how like angry Vincent was the entire time. <laughs> like he was angry that like he was even there and that we were there. And now I know it's because he was just trying to keep him keep himself from you know murdering all of us. But I think that I mean <laughs> you know because I mean you know a, a, as we all know, if I started killing people, there'd be none of you left. Um, but I, <laughs> I think that like it struck me weird that they were taking themselves so seriously. And I think that part of that is just because at that time I was kind of like more of a scene kid and I'm used to seeing August Burns red up there, you know, like blow, you know, like, you know, playing super 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 heavy aggressive stuff but they're all like wearing like short shorts and smiling and you know like it's they they look like they're from a you know uh, a, a teen underwear commercial or something and then you've got the acacia strain you know comes up there and they're super angry and they're all about the music and they're doing like an actual real legitimate thing not saying that august burns red isn't real or legitimate but like it's different. I think Acacia Strain plays into the idea of being a metal band better than a lot of the metal bands from that era were doing. Whereas for them, it was just like, well, it's just a sound. It doesn't reflect who we are as a person. I think that the Acacia Strain is 100% what you hear is what you get. At least at that time. 2008 Continent Now, is this kind of like a Pangea situation where the world was, you know, a giant continent and then, you know, the acacia strain released the album continent and then all of the continents broke away from Pangaea to create the world that we know today do you feel like
0: some of the later acacia strain records fit into the slot that shows that the continent was a thing because they're kind of shaped the same only not really um that might be going a little deeper than
1: i was shooting for but uh-huh how do you get heavier Then the dead walk. This? This, but like, I mean, logistically... You're, you're already basically I mean okay maybe they're not the heaviest band in the world but they kind of they kind of are that for for me especially after this week you know they're hard in in a very intangible way um and I think the anger really really carries a lot of that so whenever the acacia strains like yeah we have this new record we have this new record it's called continent and it's our darkest record yet like are you kidding me like is the music video gonna just be like three straight minutes of you guys blasting and blowing up a baby not entirely wrong i can't imagine it getting any darker but
0: here we are it makes me question if the shtick is just a shtick and the goal was make the record even darker or if it's the question that we've been asking this whole episode is this guy just that negative all the time john is nodding his head what do you think about that
2: um when i got to this record and the thing that like the thing that keeps happening, and, and it, I honestly can't think of another band where this has consistently happened record in and record out, where I'm like, this is the heaviest fucking thing I've heard. They somehow were able to step it up a notch and become more focused and pissed. And listening to each of these records so far that we've talked about getting to this, to Continent, you're just like, Jesus Christ, this, and, and no pun intended, because there's a song Jesus fucking Christ on this record or JFC, but like... This record is heavy straight out the gates. Um, something when listening and looking at more so when looking at the the uh, album titles or the art, uh, the song titles. And something I joked about, you know, obviously with uh, the lyrics to Baby Buster. And now that I actually keep looking at the song titles, because when I listened to it, I just threw the record on, didn't fucking look at anything. I just was listening to it. There's actually a shitload of Arrested Development references on this. Uh, Obviously, Baby Buster is, is Buster's nickname. Uh, Balboa Towers, I think, was the mom's uh, mansions community or wherever she lived. Um, the Forget Me Now, which I totally forgot about, but Forget Me Now was the name of Job's date rape drug. And I think Seaward even, Seaward was the name of uh, Job's boat that he blew up <laughs> in Arrested yeah. Development. And something in looking this up earlier today that I completely forgot about, granted it's a rumor and apparently it's been denied, but there is some significance to this, is apparently, you know, on the the track Skynet, you know, the first track of the record, um, was written about how Amir basically ripped off the acacia strain and caused a clapback track from Amir called uh, R2 Deep Throat so I mean like there's there's a lot of interesting things about this you know just the, the song as a whole but I mean holy shit uh, you know as we were kind of talking earlier the lyrics to Baby Buster wow yeah. Um, yeah. I'm probably going to get beeped when I I'm say gonna let this John, I'm going to let John read this one yeah. yeah I don't think I've ever been beeped on this show so here we go um, you know basically saying I want the world to have my <laughs> baby so when it's born I can strangle it to death this is not a healthy relationship um, when the bomb drops, you're going to spend the last few minutes of your life shitting in your pants. Uh, what, what's what's another great one? Um, this is a lifetime movie on a global scale. Just tell them when you fell down the stairs. Like, <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I fucked that up. This is a domestic abuse like you've never seen. This is a lifetime movie on a global scale. Just tell them you fell down the stairs. Like, holy shit. Holy shit. When I, like, remember the lyrics to that, I was like, yeah, I don't know that they could get it like if they put this out now I don't think they could get away with it I think they'd be instantly cancelled and I'm honestly surprised they haven't been cancelled as they're like going back and looking at these lyrics
1: oh yeah I mean I hold your life I hold your pathetic lives in my hands if you won't die for me you will die because of me I pulled the trigger on the entire human race this is his biggest murder suicide gets yeah
0: I mean... I'm really not trying to play down how dark this fucking message is, but, John, when you're talking about all the references to Arrested Development, that's almost like the camouflage where they can just point and say, no, see, it's it's a
2: joke. We're making fun of that show that we like. Trojan Horse in the truest sense of the word. I mean, like, even JFC, like, a, a song that is probably one of their hits, quote-unquote. I mean, every time I see them, they always play this song. You know, Dan already referenced it already, but like even going, you know, before the end of the song, the fact that like and we play off of this, too, uh, across a lot of the records, you know, they all deserve to die. I push the button. I watch the sky rain death. Consider this global abortion. I know what your future holds. I am all knowing and and almighty. You will honor and revere like there's this kind of Alpha Omega God complex at times that's sort of omnipresent throughout a lot of these lyrics. And you're just like, fuck, man. Like, like I said, listening to the listening to these records and remembering some of these lyrics as I got these records when they were coming out. And like I said, some of these lyrics do end up on shirts. They do become the songs and the lyrics we all sing out loud. There's one on the next record that is huge in the live setting. And it's fucking abysmal. And it's one of those that, like, shouting it out loud, like, you're kind of like, yeah, this thing, whatever the lyric is, but as you kind of think about it when you're not in that moment, you're like, God, what a fucking horrible monster I am saying and shouting out these lyrics or even wearing shirts with these lyrics on them. (laughs) What do people think of me when I'm wearing this? How do you show someone a song like JFC or even Baby Buster And just be like, yeah, I'm into this band. What do you think? I think you're a fucking horrible person who probably needs to have psychological help because this is not okay. I mean, it's fine. It's artistic
1: expression. (laughs) It's not fine, dude. It's not fine. It is fine, man. I'm not, I am not, I am lyric sensitive. I am not the lyric police. I don't, I do not care what you write about because if this is the only way that you can get these feelings out, then, then you do it, you know, um, this is, this is not, I'm not going to be one of those people that says that like, oh, well, I always knew that guy was going to kill somebody. Don't get me wrong. It'd be really easy to convince a jury of that. Um, well, let me, let's just read a sample. Of, let's read a sample of Mr. Bennett's lyrics today and uh, get, a, get an idea of what kind of person he is, <laughs> you know? Um, and so like, but at the same time, you know, this is not, this is not new to heavy music, you know, or even music in general. There's a lot of messed up country songs um, that really, I mean, absolutely se- seem seem to somewhat echo some of these sentiments. Um. I can't think of any of them right now off the top of my head, but I'm sure there must be something out there that's worse. Um, but I, I do feel like this is, this is the ultimate celebration of artistic expression that you can put this kind of stuff out, that you can have a career. Um, this is, because I, I, do, I do somewhat consider metal to be something of a fantasy land, you know, and, um... It's it's your own playground that, that you can live in and you can do whatever you want consequence free and this is a this is a huge celebration of that and I and I like that about it um, and I and the lyrics as dark as they are are interesting um, there hasn't been a single lyric that I've read from this band that I haven't been like I wonder what the story is behind that because <laughs> I definitely I definitely want to know I want to know the context you know but you know I'm not gonna ask Vincent because. I can google that i can youtube that the information is all at my fingertips so i should not have to bother him and ask him about that um but i do think that like i think that this this has got to be therapeutic (laughs) if if, if you really if you really are that angry and that upset um and and that spiteful um you got to get that out some way you know um instead of letting letting it fester you know forever And I hate to bring this up, but like, you know, look at, look at somebody like a Tim Lambesis, most positive dude in the world. Well, until he wasn't, maybe he's a positive dude again now, but like, I'm all I'm saying is that you can't, you know, sometimes stuff like this can be healthy. And so I think that there, there definitely is a place. I know I went off on a tangent about this, but there definitely is a place in the world for lyrics like this. If only to kind of put them out on paper and
0: get them out of your head. 2010 Wormwood. Oh my god, we made it. <laughs> We're barely halfway there, dude. What are you talking about? Oh
1: no 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 man. Wormwood is Wormwood is is like, for me, the ultimate realization of the vision. This is an unbelievably heavy record. This isn't this is a devastatingly heavy record and it's not even like super fast and blasty necessarily it's like slow and groove and just it's just pure like doom like not doom metal but like it's it's gloom and doom and the breakdowns are so heavy the the low end on this record is ridiculous like to the point where i have to actually turn turn the bass pretty much off on my sound system or else i'm going to blow my speakers out like this is this is outrageously heavy low end uh vincent's vocals are even deeper and lower end than they have ever been up to this point but something that's really interesting is that like before i mean like with all metal vocalists and before joe gets before joe gets to say it um you know there's a lot of metal vocalists out there that are not very easy to understand on wormwood
2: you can understand every single word vincent is saying Clearly, I think that's actually something that separates Vincent from a lot of musicians or vocalists in this genre. Is There's actually, it seems like, extra care taken into the fact that you can understand everything he's saying. And that, I think, separates him from a lot of other people, which actually kind of makes it more fucked up. Because you hear what he's saying pretty pronounced, and you're like, yeah, okay. You can't ignore it now. No, I can't. And it's mixed per- and like it's mixed perfectly and sits right where it needs to, so you're you can't blame it on anything else. So you're just like, uh huh. That's that's the thing you're saying that makes me want to also kill my coworkers and get away with it.
1: Yeah, I th- this is this has got probably my favorite acacia strain song of all time on it, which you guys know it's Jonestown. Oh yeah, Dude, I mean, I- oh yeah. I mean, it's like I need a minute to just go and weep and listen to Jonestown again because, like, it's it's so slow, yeah, but so groove like. And I hate like I hate groove <laughs> like for the most yeah, you part. hate Pantera.
2: You don't hate I,
1: groove, dude. You're just in denial about it. Maybe that's what it is, and you have to you have to bring up one of my favorite independent research true crime subjects ever. Being Jim Jones and the People's Temple and Jonestown. But man, like everything that I ever wondered about what my opinion on Jonestown was, like Vincent just says it on, on this song. And um, it actually like is one of the first Acacia Strain songs I've ever heard that actually seems to have something of a chorus. Yeah. Yeah, a little bit. But it's weird. It's not like a, oh man, they sold out because they put a chorus in. Uh, it's it's very nice. It's almost melodic, but it's melodic in that gross way. Like you know, like I can't even I can't even explain it, man. Like I just this song is so devastatingly heavy, um, and I love that it's written from Jim Jones' perspective because of course it is. Uh, you know, uh, but this is this is an interesting kind of. Um, this is an interesting kind of juxtaposition with the band because before I felt like he was reflecting kind of his own thoughts and ideas about the world. Whereas it seems like in this record, each song has its own individual story and is being drawn from a multitude of different sources.
2: Well, I want to cut you off right there for a second because something I'm noticing is I'm kind of, and I can't believe I've never put this together. Looking at the song titles, did you have you kind of noticed a theme between the song titles? Look at Jonestown. What is Jonestown's about? Like, as from a from a title, what is it about? It's about uh, mass suicide. Okay. Bay of Pigs. What happened there? Uh, failed assassination attempt. All right. What about the Unabomber? <laughs> Mass murder. So start going through the red, like the Impaler. Like you start looking at the Nightmen. You like you start looking at these song titles, and I can't believe. And especially we're gonna to get to this one here in a second, probably Ramirez. You start looking at that. I never put those together. That all of these kind of are about mass murders and suicides and so forth. The Hills Have Eyes. I mean, more from a movie perspective, but still, like I've never put that together until just now.
0: Are we looking at mass murder or serial killers? Both. Both. Exactly. And at the end,
2: they just drop it off with a tactical nuke which is a great
1: fucking song holy shit i mean the sun doesn't shine on a dead planet i mean yeah this is whenever i say this is the ultimate idea like uh, the ultimate realization of what the vision was all of that makes sense that you know it's an acacia strain record and every song is about mass murder um might seem kind of generic for the band if you've been following them for this long but i feel like this is the picture that they always wanted to paint and they, they they have all of the chops to make it happen. They've got the budget to make it happen. This is one of the most well-produced records I've ever heard, despite the fact that I have to turn the bass off. But that's not their fault. No. That's my fault for having a weak system. Um, I, I just... I This is a record... This is actually my Get Stuff Done record, too. Uh... From this band. Like listening to Acacia Strain today, I stopped. I'll probably listen to Wormwood three times. The uh just because it's it's my favorite record by the band and I think it's absolutely, absolutely their
2: high point. That's why I was so glad to add it to my vinyl collection recently. Finally.
0: Nice. Yeah, just rip that scab wide open. I'm not ready to concede that you can understand every word he says, but the Acacia strain has a unique quality in the vocals. It sounds like somebody is very conscious of what the songs are about, and they're writing the fader on the enunciation. You don't hear every word, but you definitely get the impression of the story and what it's about. And when you start to understand what he's saying, all of a sudden it's very clear exactly what he's saying, and then it backs off a little bit. It has to be a conscious choice. I'm not gonna say this part correctly, and then this part's gonna be 100% mashed potato mouth, but it's definitely in him, if it's not the producer just using different mics to get different levels in enunciation and pronunciation. It's very unique to the Acacia strain, most of the time it's either you can understand what they're saying or you can't understand anything this is one where you get it even if this is the first time you've heard this style of vocals
1: yeah and i think also that like this band has been fighting their way up for years at this point seven years and they are still perfecting that craft of like this is the record that they always. I feel like this is the record that they always wanted to make, and may and that could just be like a little bit of revisionist history, and that like obviously when they're writing it, they don't realize how big of a deal it was or it was going to be, like how well received it was. Um, but I feel like this was kind of a breakthrough record for them. You know, I mean, I'm sure you know, Jonestown wasn't playing on like top forty uh, or anything, but <laughs> uh, but it actually in in a certain way. On this record, they have figured out a way to be more accessible. Because even though this is absolutely as heavy, it's absolutely as devastating as everything else they've ever put out. And definitely leaves you with the same feeling of hopelessness, regret, nihilism, misanthropy. All the things that go along with listening to The Acacia Strain. This is their most digestible record yet. Uh, because of the strong grooves, because of the hooks that are thrown in there. Um, if you want to be a more digestible band and... Um, and and maybe get your music in front of more ears this is how you do it
2: this is also one of the first records uh you know there's a lot of interesting themes that kind of carry over from record to record whether it be the instrumental tracks that kind of uh end the albums uh but this is also the first that uh has the bird uh featured on the album cover which will be a theme from here on forward 2012
0: death is the only mortal
2: (laughs) i uh i want to say something that you know i we haven't really touched on it, and i know sometimes when i come on this show you know i kind of get fascinated with uh some of the member changes and so forth but um something that i think's been interesting you know like dan kind of pointed out on the first record that there were three guitar players i misread that i totally thought there were two but the way they were uh Labeled kind of made it seem like there was only two. But uh, DL, this is the last record that DL uh, was on on the band. And I think something that can't be denied leading up to this this record and back uh, is the fact that DL came into his own as a guitar player that really helped shape the Acacia Strain sound at this point. And, you know, gone were the extra guitar players and so forth. And on this record specifically, DL plays the guitars, bass. He's the backing vocalist. He's the he does the production on it. And he's also doing the programming. And I think he really has, you know, over the last two records uh, with Wormwood and this one, really kind of honed in on what the Acacia Strain is and can be. And I know a lot of people, uh, Acacia Strain fans, longtime Acacia Strain fans, you know, basically give DL a lot of props for what he did for the band. And, you know, it's something we haven't brought up on this episode so far um, and I think will be something you notice over the next couple of records. that has gone. There's just something maybe not can put your finger on, but I think it's that. I think it's the fact that they kind of had found a sound and DL was the sound of the band and was kind of really pushing it into so many different sonic territory and allowing Vincent to do what he does best on these records. And, you know, the fact that this is the last one we have with DL, I think it should be noted that that's something that I think we haven't talked about is where the sound was coming from was from him.
0: It's that sonic guitar quality that you think you've heard every other band that plays a style like this. You think it's what you've heard a thousand times before, and you think it's not unique, but there's something about the way the Acacia Strain does it that makes it unique. I don't know exactly what that is, but if it has a unique quality, it stands on its own. I think I know what you mean, John, about, I I don't know, like...
1: I think i know what you mean about how there was something kind of unique about their sound and how much dl had to do had to do with it um because obviously this record is another just absolute banger um and the fact that you know you've got basically one guy doing a lot of that ground like doing a lot of that background work you know it's kind of like how you know there's a guy that's a vocalist and he do, he all he does is you know talk and scream and then there's like another guy that actually does all the work you know uh, that <laughs> sort of setup um, but uh you know like th- this is the ultimate definition of that because you know you're coming off of wormwood and you're putting out a record that in a lot of ways is heavier than wormwood i think there 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 is actually kind of a um kind of a theme that we haven't really talked about is that every every Acacia Strain record, at least for the most part, is always heavier than the one before it. Absolutely. And um, that's a goal that I think a lot of bands abandon, and it actually took the Acacia Strain quite a few records, like nine records, I think, before they were like, um, okay... I think we, I think we, I think we reached it, guys. I think we did the slam dunk. You know, um, this one is is fascinating to me though because it does incorporate some of those darker elements. There's a lot more atmosphere on this record. Um, a lot more. Uh, there's a lot more just like room to let the songs breathe, whereas I feel like Wormwood was very was very focused and very uh, very song centric um this record kind of goes a little bit more for the light and breezy and of course by light and breezy i mean being just pummeled into the dust until your your corpse is unrecognizable (laughs) but it's heavy music done in a different way it gets it gets the eerie feeling across musically whereas you know before we were talking about how occasionally the band would have like a melodic or an uplifting moment or something like that um that sort of stuff kind of shows, like, th- this is the first one, and maybe even with Wormwood, where the music matches like a hundred percent of the lyrical output, and so this record succeeds very well in just like kind of creeping me out um, when I'm not rocking out, and I really think that that's strong, and that 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 idea, that concept of maybe atmosphere, may- maybe atmosphere versus brutality might, well, it's a subject that might come up later. <laughs> you
2: know. I think what's interesting, too, is some of the extra... You know, at this point, we're, like, we're what, one, two, three, four, five, six albums in over a ten-year career at this point, and I think it's interesting to see Vincent on this record doing some really interesting things vocally, you know, with some of the effects they're using, uh, kind of incorporating some more... Uh, some melodic passages where he's kind of doing that, like, AM radio kind of distant... distant sounding vocal where he's still screaming or kind of talking or whatever it's not anything new that we haven't heard on other from other bands but it's something new that we haven't heard at the time from the case strain and I think you know a lot of bands at this point would probably be like yeah, everyone loves 3750. They love the Dead Walker. Hey, they even love Continent or the last record. So fuck it. We got enough back catalog. Like we don't need to do anything. We don't need to push ourselves to try to be better. And something I think that's interesting as I'm kind of looking at the the charting of all their records, they've consistently done better. You know, the last record, Wormwood, which, you know, a lot of people is like, that's the, the quintessential uh, Casey Strain record. Uh, debuted at, I think it says, number 67 on the U.S. charts. Uh, Death is the Only Mortal came in at 51. So, I mean, like, you're seeing a steady increase 10 years into a band's career, and I, I can't understate that that is something that you, you don't see a lot, especially in this genre. A lot of bands are so quick to just be like, yeah, we're, we did something great already. Let's just rest on that. Yeah,
1: absolutely. And I think I think another thing, too, is that, like, I, I start wondering... I start wondering how much longer they're going to be able to maintain this.
2: This sound.
1: Yeah, because not much longer. Like, <laughs> not much longer. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. Um, I do think that this was the point in the discography where I started feeling fatigue, a little bit, a, a little bit, be, a little bit beat down. You know, it could just be my midday crash. You know, but like. I definitely started feeling like it, it, it became a little bit harder to keep paying attention. Now, and, and Joe and I were talking about this before the episode, uh, before we started recording, and you know, Joe was like, "Yeah, you know, it's just really hard to listen to all this stuff like in a row like this. Um, it's it's hard to it's hard to pay attention. It's hard to care because, and like I said earlier, you really if you're not paying attention to this band, all you might hear is breakdowns and screaming, and and you might think that that's all that's actually there." Um, but I definitely felt it more on this album, even though it is all there, it's all intricate and everything. But you know, a point that I brought up is that for most fans, they at least still had those gaps of years between listening to the records. Right. Whereas us, it was like what seconds between records. Yep, absolutely. But uh, yeah, so this was this was kind of the end of an era for the band. Absolutely, yeah. It's gonna get it's gonna get uh, interesting from here on out. 2014,
2: Coma. Which kind of piggybacking off of what I said, and I and I'm only going to bring this up because I'm actually going to bring it up twice uh, for the next record as well. So but like so how I said, like there was a a steady increase in the band's popularity from a chart position, you know, Wormwood debuting at 67. Death is the only mortal debuting at 51. This one saw the band crack into the top 50 on the iTunes iTunes chart. Cracking into the top 50 on the Billboard charts at 31, which obviously shows the band, again, still continuing their upward trajectory. Coma, which I think is a great record, but I will definitely say when it came out, I had a lot of high. High expectations based on where the band had been going, and the fact that DL wasn't in the band, I really didn't know what to expect. Um, I definitely think this is a, a, a grower, not a shower, right away. Like this is something you really have to kind of sit with, and really take it all in as a, as a full record from start to finish. This isn't really a well. Here's the the quote unquote singles, um, and I honestly gotta say it was seeing this album cycle a couple of times live for me to really kind of understand how some of the songs worked um, and hearing them against the rest of the older material where I was like oh all right so this is kind of like this song off with this other record like all right like and then when you kind of start going back and re-listening to it some of the some of the things on the record kind of start to reveal themselves for what I think the band had intended the whole time but I also don't know if in 2014 people are willing to give a record that much time for a record to grow on them. And I think it's just a thing where a lot of people, I feel like this is a very divisive record. Some people are like, it's great. I love it. It kind of starts ushering in the new era and the new sound of the Acacia Strain. And other people are like, this is where they lost me.
0: Sonically, if you're listening to a band like this, you want it to sound like the previous albums. You want nothing but breakdowns. You want nothing but dissonant growled screaming. If you needed an example to demonstrate that the Acacia Strain was ahead of everybody else, Dan said it multiple times at the start of the show. You didn't hear this in 2002. You didn't hear this in 2004. Everything that this band did was ahead of their peers it was ahead of the style and its popularity and when other bands were taking it too far adding multiple electronic elements and studio fixing the acacia strain was actually trying to take this genre forward is there another band that basically gives you an audible concept record like this i can't think of one I think this
1: is the first one where they were this kind of artsy, I guess. Hmm. And artsy is not really the right word for it, but because uh, you use that too too soon. <laughs> I know. I'm. We're gonna get there, John. <laughs> but uh, I know. you know, I think that like this is the first record where I kind of started like, you know how I was talking about how like Wormwood is like so heavy and doesn't have like. And it's like all in the guitar tone and that slow, sludgy groove and the way the way it all just kind of comes together. This was the first one that you know I started feeling like the riffs and the breakdowns were starting to feel more less crunchy and more bouncy. Yeah, and um, and that unfortunately is just like a staple of what heavy music was. Uh, you know. And so I think that, like, in 2014, I, I don't know. I, okay, I'm not going to make a big speech about it. It just sounds really genty to me. Yep. And um, one of the things that I liked about the Acacia Strain is that they were heavy without that. You know, I always compare the gent sound to like, uh, basketballs being bounced on a, on a wood floor, you know, (laughs) um, whereas, you know, the band's previous riffage was, was, you know, smashing my face against the gravel and there's probably some glass in there too, you know, um, and to me, and this could just be like, this could just be me being an old timer. And I think that's largely part of it is that I have some preconceived notion as to how metal is supposed to sound but um you know when i was talking about how every record is heavier than the record before it uh, this is the first one where i kind of felt like it had lightened up a little bit uh and a lot of that is largely just because of that guitar sound and that is like so so nitpicky but i mean like hi how you doing have we met (laughs) um it's it's super it's super nitpicky but at the same time it's um i I could see why people might have might have opted to listen to different bands this year um, just because this is the first time where they're kind of starting to sound more like the bands that they influenced, I guess. Um, but, I mean, throughout all that, that doesn't make it a bad record. Produced by Will Putney, like, that that's supposed to be a slam dunk. Automatic win. Yeah. Um, Will Putney, and, uh, you know, you had Max Cavalera from Soulfly on Send Help. Um, you had Sven from Aborted on Graveyard Shift like they're they're pulling out all the guests they're doing all of the you know they're doing everything right they're they're they have they've kept their sound consistent but I just, I don't think that it was enough yet. It it is a, it is a variation or a, um, kind of an experimentation on their sound, but I don't necessarily know if it really works here. And I think a lot of that is, you know, you can definitely find things to like, but they're not necessarily going to be the things that you liked from previous Acacia strain records. And so like, it's kind of a catch 22 because I want to say like, Oh, it's really cool. It's really fresh that they did something a little bit different sounding because I was just complaining on the last record about how like oh it's all kind of starting to sound the same again. Um but you know again this is just a case of maybe it's just my problem. I don't know what I want. Um but I don't think that I'm all that different than other metal fans out there. I think I think that we all kind of collectively don't know what we want. We want you to always sound the same, but not too much the same. It, you know, so on and so forth. And uh so I think in this particular case I like Como Witch uh but I think it's too long. Yeah. I think I think it goes on forever. Um, And I think that's hard because it's not even like – it's not even that long of a – it's not even that long of a record. Well, I don't know. It all depends on whether or not you include Observer, at, like right, on it. Yeah. You know, because yeah. that's like thirty minutes almost. That's like tool tool levels of of, of messing around. Now you guys are still uh, on
2: that topic. Mm,
1: <laughs> well, we'll see. We'll see if anybody's even listening after that episode. But uh, I do think that, like, I, I do think that this it just wasn't for me. I'm trying to, I'm trying to find something like really really profound to say about it but at the end of the day it just it just wasn't for me it sounded a little bit too much like other bands at the time and I kind of missed that original that, that kind of more originality that that the acacia strain had I think Vincent sounds great on this record by yeah, the way it does,
2: yeah I would also like to point out because uh, we'll bring it up bring this name up in a couple of seconds um... This was uh, engineered and edited by one Tom Smith Jr., who's not a junior, but we'll get to that in a couple minutes. 2017,
0: Grave Bloom. I'm gonna take a walk, find a grave, dig some holes, plant some flowers, and then create my ultimate artistic expression of heavy metal and call it Grave Bloom. Good old Grave Bloom.
2: Plague Doctor, man. <laughs> This is another record uh, produced by Will Putney. So, I mean, it's kind of weird going back to some of these earlier records that Will did, and you kind of forget that Will did these because they don't sound quite like the Will Putney records that we've come to know as far as the, the sonics and the textures on them. But this is this is another record that, like, I think was, again, a grower, not a shower. And I think for me, I was really excited to see this band live again. I mean, I always have fun going to see Acacia Strange shows. But I feel like the fact that the band ended up doing a... Was it a Continent 10-year anniversary tour? So basically, they put out this record and then did that. So it's almost like I, as a fan, completely forgot about this record, too. Because when I went to go see the band, I'm going to go see Continent. So I'm just going to listen to Continent. And I completely forgot about this record. And even when I listened back to it today, I was like, oh, yeah, there's some bangers on this. But by and large, it, it just... I. This kind of just is in the discography. It's kind of at a point where I don't really remember listening to it. I I really don't even know that I've listened. Like other than today, I don't know that I ever listened to it all the way through. Um, There's some shining moments. I I think it sounds pretty good. Um, But I think by and large, because a lot of me getting excited about this band and, and, and bands in general is to go see a band play these songs from a record I'm interested in. And unfortunately, I really do. And I've talked about it on the podcast with Vincent and Tom. They did them. They or the label or whomever did themselves no favors by basically putting out a record and then doing an anniversary tour instead. And I think for me personally, that really has led to this just being a record where I'm like, yeah, it exists. There's some good songs. Um, Plague Doctor being one of them. Bitter Pill being a solid one. I like Dark Harvest and Calloused Mouth. Um, but by and large I don't I don't really have any attachments to this record at all because I just I don't know I, I don't I think it's just because I don't associate this with anything. I don't recall seeing them play any of this shit really. So there's nothing yeah. to be excited about
1: yeah i'm kind of on the same boat with this one because it's it's good it's the acacia strain but you know this is something that we say a lot on this show every band reaches a point where you hear a new record and you're like yep it's another acacia strain album and it doesn't really do anything to separate itself from the pack but if you want to look at it from a different perspective, this is also like again new blood kind of in the band. So the level of being able to maintain a consistent sound is actually very impressive considering yeah you know that you that that, you know if you guys consider DL the heart and soul of the band you at know, this point you, yes yeah you might actually be pretty impressed that they're still going this strong but uh, I'm gonna make my opinion I'm just gonna defer to Kerrang. Uh, which is what Kerrang said about this record and I I agree 100% with this they says the whole thing is suitably drenched with nihilism once more conveying the sense that in their world smiles should result in a beating because everything is truly hopeless you're gonna cite that Uh, in the show notes right yeah absolutely (laughs) <laughs> but I think that like one of the one of the things to take away from this is that you know this band was absolutely able to uh, to maintain a sound with new members of the band and i think that that's impressive but i think i think largely john's right it's you can't just go on an anniversary tour after putting on a new record you're supposed to put your heart and soul and everything into this new record and your goal is to go out on the road and convince everybody that this is the record that's worth buying whether you're a new fan you're an old fan you know whatever um but instead you're going to go on an anniversary tour, which may or may not make people kind of yearn for the old days <laughs> a little bit. Yeah.
0: And and that's hard. It's a hard call to make. Not a terrible record, but not their best. Mm-mm. Well, somebody was listening to The Chariot in 2019. It comes in waves, one-word song titles, and it all makes up one sentence. Now, I will say this. It Comes in Waves is an EP, and I'm going to talk
1: about it because... I don't want to get on Vincent's bad side. Um, this is exactly what I wanted. Oh yeah, John and I were talking about this incessantly uh, when it was whenever it was released, and uh, this, oh, yeah. this came God. this came this came right uh, this came right on the tails of John uh, John's like, two Acacia Strain interviews. Uh, I believe one was with Tom and and Vincent, and then the other one was just with Tom and we you know you guys talked a lot about about what the band was trying to do during this time
2: so you're partially right. So basically, I talked to Vincent and Tom on the Grey Bloom slash Continent album cycle, yeah, and basically commenting like, "Yeah, you guys shot Grey Bloom right in the ass because you couldn't support it." And they're like, "Yeah, nostalgia," and it was weird because that whole conversation Vincent was like, and it made headlines, was like, "Nostalgia doesn't work," but it's like they're on a <laughs> they're on a nostalgia tour. Um, but then I went back when they came through again. I think with Knock Loose. Um, or no, that was an Oculus show that I did that first one on, but regardless, um, you know, talking with Tom, It Comes in Waves wasn't out yet, but he's describing it as this really weird, different Acacia Strain record. They're taking all these kinds of risks and it's very arty, but then just in case people hated that, they had another record that they were going to do that was more akin to a normal Acacia Strain record. And I remember being very intrigued. And, and, you know, we talked a little bit about it, but it's not like he played me anything from either record. So I, I knew what was in, what was coming. But I remember as they started releasing the individual songs for It Comes in Waves, and then realizing that they've been making merch with those, you know, our only shit. What it, uh, what it, hold on. I want to make sure I get this right. Um, do, 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 pull up Apple Music, Case of Strain. Because it, it, I'm trying to remember what the song titles were. It was uh, our only... Yeah. So, you know, basically they had printed merch that said our only sin was giving them names. And, like, I have a shirt with that on it. And I remember being like, you motherfucker, you, you basically were giving away <laughs> a clue the whole time. And we just didn't know. Um, I remember when this came out and I remember telling Dan, I was like, yo, have you listened to this? This is fucking crazy now, granted, I mentioned on the the Grey Bloom thing or on the Coma Witch that Tom helped record with Will Putney. He was uh, one of Will's uh, guys at the studio, and then a couple years later, here he is in the band on the Grey Bloom album cycle. And this is the first thing, one of the first things that he basically helped contribute and write for, and. It's, I'm not taking anything away from Devin, their other guitar player, or even you know Griffin, their bass player, who had been in the band for a little bit. But I feel like Tom is someone who has really, especially on this record and Slow Decay, because I feel like you can't talk about one without talking about the other since they were recorded around the same time. I think Tom has brought something that we haven't seen since DL left. He kind of has brought interesting ideas. Something that has created a definitive sound for the band to follow and has given Vincent ample sonic textures to really explore new ideas, new lyrical themes, and so forth. And it comes in waves, which I was honestly surprised to see be lauded so positively considering how different it was from everything we've gotten from this band. Only has me more excited to see if the band will then go further down this direction and do maybe one weird record every so often, because we as the fans were like, yes, give us more of this, please.
1: Yes, this is that this is what I've wanted from the band's like four albums in is when, when are we going to go a little bit more artsy? When are we going to go a little bit more experimental? And I think this works really, really, really well because, again, it's that contrast of, of atmosphere and brutality. Um, there's a part, and I don't remember, it's either in them or it's in names. I don't, I'm trying to remember which one it was, where it's, like, totally quiet. Oh, I think that's them. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, and like it's totally quiet, and then like it just busts like, like, like it just suddenly this scream comes out of nowhere, and it scared me. Like I look, like, <laughs> you know, like jumped a little bit, and like for as much metal and hardcore and stuff that I listen to, like that is not a very common occurrence. And I think that like they really drew me in with the atmosphere. They drew me in with the melodic passages, and even the vocals are kind of kind of down in the mix in the sense that instead of being front and center Vincent, like it always is, this is a little bit more organic and it's a part of the music instead of just being the, the, the lyrical accompaniment. Also the first time I've really heard Vincent go into kind of the more squeal Mm-hmm. Like the like the vocals are so low, he's finally getting the squeal in there, um, which I love hearing. Um, it doesn't do very much for his "we're not deathcore" argument, <laughs> but uh, I do think that like I, I do think that like this is this is great. Like I like s- slow decay is great, but like this is. Um, this is what I wanted. This is what I would have wanted a full length of, um, and I basically got. I mean, this is still thirty minutes. It's not like it's not like a good, you know, a, a good length and everything. But like, this is this is what I, this is what I think the future is for this band, because if they can on this, they've actually cultivated their heaviness and used it in a wep, used it used it as a weapon uh, in a way that they've never done before. You know, instead of, uh, you know, instead of like, you know, Ted Bundy and well, not Ted Bundy is not a good example, but like, I don't know, like somebody that just straight up like runs in and murders somebody like straight up just bludgeons you to death. Like immediately, Uh, this is more like a Hannibal Lecter, you know, where he's your friend and you guys hang out and then he stabs you to death and then eats you. That's what this record feels like. It feels like Hannibal Lecter, you know, (laughs) Uh, you guys could tell. I probably you could probably tell that I just finished watching Hannibal on Netflix Good choice. Uh, but like, it's fantastic, uh, just like this record. And uh, this actually was a really good soundtrack uh, for for that series, Um just because of the subtlety and the unexpectedness. Like, it actually is surprising. It doesn't follow the regular formula of their music. And so it was actually, in a lot of ways, one of their most interesting records to listen to, because I really didn't know what direction that they were going to go in at any
0: given point. I really liked Coma Witch the first time I listened to it because it felt like the band was taking the sound in another direction. You could confuse that for being artsy and a little more, I don't want to say progressive, but I don't have the word right now. Everything I thought I was getting from that record that was different, this record takes so much further. I like that Dan called this one artsy because if I wasn't listening to it, and I mean really listening to it, you could criticize it for just stealing tropes from everybody and not really having an identity. But this one has the same color palette as everybody else. It's just putting the image, or in this case, the sound, it's putting it together in a different way. And it's not obvious what that difference is. But you can truly hear what is unique about this record. And we finally get to 2020 Slow Decay.
2: I literally just opened my Slow Decay vinyl. I've not even
0: opened it yet. I didn't know we were having an unboxing on this episode, John.
2: Probably one of the very few bands I literally, like I said, other than the very first record which does not exist on vinyl, this is the only band I own everything that they put out on vinyl. Uh, I'm slowly getting the rest of the 7-inches. Uh, I have all of the the Decay 7-inches at this point. Um, the only one, and a friend of mine is actually going to give me the uh, the Depression Sessions uh, and Above Below, I think. So all I need is the, uh, the Money for Nothing 7-inch of their cover, but... It's one of the few bands I actually will own everything pretty soon. Uh, usually, I am not that nerdy about things and getting the EPs and seven inches.
1: I think as an acacia strain record, like as much as as much as it's touted that slow decay is you know, like, yeah, we did this experimental thing, you know. Um, on It Comes in Waves, but now we also put out like a, a more traditional Acacia Strain record. Um, I disagree. I think that this album has kind of a lot of the stuff from It Comes in Waves in it, but then it's still got, you know, kind of these more beat down moments on it that are that you would get from. So it's it's more like, it's more like they learned a thing or two from It Comes in Waves, and then they kind of used that to enhance their sound while still keeping their sound intact. But um I found Slow Decay to be actually pretty exciting other than they're probably their worst album track I've ever, like song title I've ever heard which is I breathed in the smoke deeply it tasted like death and I smiled dude that song though is so fucking good Oh yeah it's a great song but the title needs some work um it's it's a little um That it sounds like a type of song title that would be made by a band that was making fun of the Acacia strain. Amir. Amir. Yeah, there it is. (laughs) Yeah. I've seen God. Anyway, uh,. I do. I think that this this album has a lot of the stuff on it that it com- that it comes in waves. Has um, it's got the atmosphere cranked up to ten. The songs breathe. It's organic. Like I mean, and and you know, you could be one of those people that says all the Acacia Strain albums sound the same. But like, listen to Wormwood and then go listen to this. Um, they're not a different band. You know, they're they're still recognizable in this form. But I feel like this is a much more enlightened Acacia Strain. And the music is actually interesting to me in a way that it really hasn't been since Wormwood.
2: I feel like this is a byproduct and a very sh- strong example of where a lineup change actually allows a band that's this far into their career to, I don't wanna say become new, but allows them to have a new life that maybe a band, if it had all the original members almost 20 years into a career, they wouldn't have that.
1: I agree. no i do though that that was sincere i know it sounds like just a
0: thing that i say to make john stop talking but like i uh i i i completely agree this sounds like it comes in waves just taken a little further maybe the band spent time on that record just trying to put something together that ended up being so much more than what it originally was meant to be and then this record is the full-length version of that How do we move forward this sound that we've been doing now for almost 20 years that everybody seems to be ripping off? I really can't say anything else other than this one still sounds like the Acacia Strain. And how good is that 18 years into the discography? It still sounds like the same band. Yeah, I mean, they sound like the same band, but they sound like they've learned so much
1: over the years as to to how to cultivate a sound how to actually how to actually pull real feeling out of this type of music which is for a lot of time for a lot of people very like atonal you know <laughs> um and, but they're able to actually pull real feeling out and again they're able to match the lyrical output with the musical output i think better than they ever have before and um and even even the lyrics i found are a little bit more serious like they're they're still death and gloom and doom and, and all of that but like I don't know i feel like it's handled with a little bit more maturity than maybe you know like a shotgun blast through the back of your skull you know uh as a lyricist vincent's come a long way and um yeah i think this record is i think this record's killer and honestly i think it's a good jumping on point if you didn't like the acacia strain originally you might actually like this this might not be what you're expecting
0: final thoughts on the acacia strain john Beatty.
2: I think for a band that gets widely mislabeled as far as the genre goes, they aren't any one genre that they typically get defined as. They're that and more. I don't know why this band at times hasn't gotten bigger than they are given the fact that they are at a lot of times at the forefront of of the genre. But seeing where they are now with It Comes in Waves and Slow Decay and seeing the general reaction from fans who fell off over the last couple of records, and I mean, even kind of to Dan's point, I saw a lot of comments on like some really shitty websites like, you know, like a Lamgoat or whatever, where people are notoriously shitty just for the sake of being shitty that are like, I don't even like this band. I checked out a song off of this. Wow. Pretty impressed, And I think that speaks volumes in a genre that people are so close-minded to even give anything a, a fair shake that they just assume is going to be a particular thing or written off because they didn't like one song someone showed them. I think the Acacia Strain has proven over an almost 20-year career that they're able to evolve their sound while still being fresh and innovative and giving longtime fans and new fans something to be excited about and i'm so bummed that i was not all the touring and everything fell apart because i by now i should have seen this band probably two or three times uh there's something that they were gonna do that i am privy to that has not been announced and probably not happening and may not happen but um is a thing where i should have seen this band a couple of times and i was so excited to see them now to hear some of these newer songs Live because I bet they are fucking monstrous. They sound great on record, but I bet they're even even more so live. And there's some songs that I think maybe you wouldn't expect to be good, and maybe you're like, eh, that's okay. But I think if you see it live, you're going to be like, oh, that was for a live moment, not for a recorded moment. And, man, just as, as, like I said, you know, at the beginning of this show coming in right around the time of 37.50, And still being excited to hear new music from this band has me so stoked. And if you fell off, if you aren't listening anymore or just came on, how excited are you right now? Honestly, how excited are you to see where they go from here? And how often do you get to say that about a band that's been around for almost 20 years?
1: Damn, what about you? I think the most interesting thing about the Acacia Strain is that, you know, this is a band that has 10 albums, and we just did an entire discography discussion on them, and never once did we get to the point where we were like, oh my god, where did it all go wrong? We sort of did. How could uh, how could they have
2: done that? We almost did. We almost did.
1: <laughs> Not really. It was still like, yeah, but it's a good album. If you're a fan of the band, you're going to like it. You know, um, they, this this band didn't ever have their St. Anger You know, they, they, they didn't have their X factor, you know, they didn't have a record where we're just standing there completely flabbergasted. The worst thing that this band could be accused of is maybe not varying their sound enough, but obviously they're working on that and, uh, with, with really great results, um, I definitely think that this is a band that, if you are not in a good place mentally, probably not the best band to check out. Uh, but if you're just here to hear some heavy riffs and, you know, beat the crap out of your friends in the in the in the pit and then slit their throats and hide their bodies, you know, underneath your porch, um, the Acacia Strain might be a band that you would want to check out. Um, I've been watching a lot of true crime on Netflix while listening to the Acacia Strain. Um, And it's been a a very enhanced experience because of it. Um, All that joking aside, though, I think that lyrically, this is actually a very they they're very creative. Um, And again, like I went on for an hour earlier about artistic expression. I think this band is a success story on the freedom of artistic expression and the uh the positive effects that it can have if you can pull any positivity from it at all um you've got good songs that you're going to enjoy listening to and uh and you know that in a certain sense uh you're helping somebody get their uh get their mind and thoughts out there no matter what those thoughts
0: might actually be the acacia strain is so fucking dark the imagery in the lyrics the sound of the music it's really hard to listen to this and not just call it deathcore to justify it to yourself you've heard a lot of what this band does in other bands i'm confident that those bands listened to the acacia strain and said guys we need to do this on the next record it's really hard to listen to it and not call it deathcore because so much deathcore sounds like what the acacia strain does the best thing i can say about this band is i hope dan is correct and this is some sort of therapy because this much negativity could easily slip past the casual listener because the casual listener is listening for the heavy. They're not actually listening to the lyrics in most cases. They want to get in the pit. They want to throw down. They want a high step. They want to do everything that we've all become accustomed to at the metal show. But the Acacia Strain takes this sound further than any other band. And to me, that makes them unique. It was a mistake to listen to this band all in one week. Because this music needs to be spaced out. It needs to be taken in over time. I know I'm going to be listening to it a lot longer than just this episode. So if you're a fan of heavy, intense music, you're already listening to The Acacia Strain. And you should continue to listen to The Acacia Strain. If you've never heard this band before, pick up a copy of Wormwood and enjoy. Discuss Metal Dan says, you're welcome. Dan, what's your album of the week? Well, my album of the week is something significantly uh, less heavy,
1: uh, which would uh, which would be Atalus Into the Sea. Um, they are a, uh, or they were, kind of more of like an indie band uh, with a little bit of like me. It's like some of the best parts of Me Without You mixed with just some really good like indie rock, a little bit of screaming, very light. Very positive and uh it's definitely something that I needed to kind of counteract what I've got going on with the Acacia strain here. John, what about you?
2: Uh if you've been following me on Twitter the last like two weeks, this will not come as a surprise to you, but it's uh sort of in the same vein as Dan. Uh it's been TLC's uh crazy sexy cool. Um been finding a lot of sonic textures in that record that have been You know, at least in a pair of good headphones, it had been making me just repeatedly go back to that record. Um, So that's been mine. I'm just going to keep the intensity train going. The Wolves are closing in.
0: Eulogy for Desecrated Souls. Interesting. Although, John, I admit that's a good choice. I don't think I've listened to that record in over 10 years. Mm. I'm ashamed to admit how many times I've listened to it on cassette.
2: Straight up, uh, if I get... I mean, inevitably, I'll end up on digging on you. But when I get to that song, that's at least an hour of me playing that one song over and over and over again. And there's so much little, like, subtle nuance to it. Like, in the before the first verse starts, there's, like, a swelling kind of thing going on with some of the keys and so forth that I... Like, there's something new typically every time that I, I notice or a, a lyrical cadence or something about the song that just keeps pulling me into where I keep, like... Studying it, for lack of a better term. And then, comparatively against the rest of their discography, it's really interesting to like go from, you know, their first record where it's kind of a hodgepodge as far as how they present themselves, where, you know, there's like, oh, here's the, well, you know, Left Eye Rap, so here's a rapping part. And then, well, Chili's got a really great voice, so let's have her sing the hooks. And, well, T Boz is the star. And then you get to Crazy Sexy Cool, and they're like, and, and Babyface was really like, Alright, so T-Boz has got the verses, and they're gonna be very slow and sensual, and all these kind of things, and, you know, we're still gonna have everyone kind of, you know, these parts, but everyone was focused, and I feel like it's a very focused effort to f- bring out the best in everybody and the best in the group, and I honestly gotta say, the more I listen to that record, I would put, if you can find better vocal melodies, I don't think you can. It It's so good. Um, and it plays to everyone's strengths. Um, So, I mean, that's why I keep going back to it, because I just keep finding things about it that I'm like, wow, this is just so good. Um, I don't think we'll ever do a discography discussion on TLC, but if we did, I would love to do that. Take us
1: out, DFT. If you've ever been listening to this podcast and wondered, how do I get them to talk about a band that I like that they haven't talked about yet? There's a, lot of, there's a lot of different band ways you can do that. You can be like John and you know, try to come on the show and try to take over and make it into his own uh, eclectic mix of different types of music. Or you could do what everybody else does. and uh, You could send us an email at danandjoeshow at gmail.com. You can reach out to us on Facebook at facebook.com slash discography discussion. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Discuss Metal. We are also on Instagram as Discuss Metal. You can always uh, you can always get a hold of us those ways. You can talk to us on Discord. There's a link in the show notes that will take you to our Discord server where you can talk to us and fans of the show in real time. And uh, we also have a lot of really cool stuff cooking on Patreon at all times. Uh, Every week we we put out an individual album review of an album that's either a new release or just an album that we want to talk about that week. And uh, $1 will get you into that exclusive feed. And uh, if you want to represent Discography Discussion out on the street, you can check out our Teespring store. There'll be also a link to that in our show notes. And, uh, yeah, we've got some hoodies on there, some socks, all kinds of sweet Discography Discussion swag. So check it out. And Joe owes me
0: $1. And on that note, this has been Episode 185 of Discography Discussion. Thank you for listening. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at DiscussMetal. Metal. Subscribe to our podcasts everywhere you listen to podcasts, including Google Play, Apple Podcasts, and Stitcher. Visit DiscussMetal.com for all things discography discussion. And please send questions and comments to show at gmail.com. If you are not a patron, you can become one at Patreon.com forward slash DiscussMetal. We have some sweet perks. Give me your money.